You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on Together Church, you can visit our website at wearetogether.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Jesus, tonight we thank you for, for being here and living among us, saving us, and bringing a peace into such a broken, fragile world. And Father, I just pray in the next few moments as we open your word, that we know that your promise is that it will never return void. So I just pray that it would reach to the deepest, dark parts of our lives and it will expose the sin that lives there and be driven out by your love. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. We all said, amen and amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. How are we doing? Can you believe it? It's here. I told you four weeks ago it was coming. It's like a freight train. There's no stopping. It's just going to happen. And, and we are here. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite things about Christmas is, is memories. And, um, you know, I'm sure that you guys have traditions and there's memories that you have growing up as children. Uh, like our family started a new tradition this year. My, my son, his birthday is today. So when they were singing happy birthday up here, he's like, that, are they, they singing that to me? <laughs> no, you share one with Jesus. It's okay. Um, but we have traditions and, and there's memories that have been made as we were growing up. And, uh, Especially gifts. Anybody remember like a special gift that you got as a kid that you would love to have again, maybe? Like I, I remember my parents gave me a six-disc changer. Not one, not two. Six CDs at one time. Now, if you don't know what a CD is, Google. Google it up. It's fine. But I can remember that whole thing. I could put six albums in there. Stephen Curtis Chapman, Amy Grant. It had a tape deck, too, so I was able to take my Amy Grant tape and have Tupac on the Amy Grant tape. But it was labeled Amy Grant. So if you popped in Amy Grant, <laughs> it wasn't Amy Grant. Um, so anyway, Jesus still loved me. But there, there are memories of those things, right? We, we, have, we have those memories of those, of those pieces. And, and we oftentimes can forget the memories because in Christmas we can get so caught up in the hustle and the bustle of having to go here and having to go there. And we can miss out. We can miss out on everything, because think about it, Christmas is one time that I see more people have heart attacks and end up in the hospital because of stress, because of worried about family, worried about gifts, worried about going here and there, because listen, I, am, I, am I telling the truth here that our Christmas list, you got gifts to wrap? Husbands, I just want to go ahead and give you an, a, a reminder. I hope you got your wife's stocking stuffers. Piggly Wiggly stays open late, FYI. But you have stocking stuffers. You've got travels you have to do. You still may have some last-minute things you have to buy. You have to go see these people and those people, and you've got to go multiple places. And it just seems like you can never, ever get outside of the continuous doldrum of the Christmas. And we get caught up in this hustle and bustle, and here's what happens. We miss. We miss the store. We miss the memories. And oftentimes, we're just ready for it all to be said and done and be finished with it. But I remember on this first Christmas of Jesus, there was a lot of hustle and bustle. There was a lot of things. There were thousands of people that had come into Bethlehem. They were waiting to go do the census. And right in the middle of all these people doing their everyday Monday things, the king was born. And they missed it. And they missed it. Now, oftentimes in the Christmas story, on Christmas Eve, we would start at the manger. But tonight, I'm going to do you one better. We're going to skip ahead a little bit, and we're going to look at Jesus at eight months old. At eight months old. 
okay? Because here, here's, here's how this all went down. At eight months old, Jesus is, excuse me, eight days old, Jesus is about to go through a traditional Jewish custom. And he's going to have to have some purifications. And so everybody is coming on to the temple. The temple was where all of life happened in Israel at this time. And Mary and Joseph are doing exactly what the Orthodox Jews would have done. And they would bring Jesus to the temple to participate in the purification. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 2. And I'm just going to read some verses and I'm going to teach it a little bit tonight. Is that okay? And he says this. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses. So after the birth of a child, so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, this was not a long journey. This is just a couple of miles. I mean, honestly, it's about a five-minute drive from point A from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. You can, sit in the, the, you can sit in Jerusalem, look out over the wall, and there's Bethlehem. So it's not that long of a journey. So they, by car, I guess by foot it would be different. But they walk over. And then the Bible says that the law of the Lord says this. It says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Okay? If you were a second born, who cares? Um, that's basically what the Bible's saying. So he, he says that he's got to be dedicated. Verse 24 says this. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. Either there was a pair of turtle doves or there were two young pigeons. Now, let me, let me stop you right there for a second. And don't miss the significance of this. Remember, Jesus is not very old right here. Because it was at two years old. Who came to see Jesus at two? The wise men. And they brought him expensive gifts that we would be like, oh, frankincense? <laughs> Have y'all looked up how much that stuff costs? That's expensive. Okay? But at this point, they haven't come yet to give him the riches. And they're still living in Bethlehem. Their homeland is in Nazareth. They've made this journey to Bethlehem for the census. They're, they're out of pockets, out of sorts. And so they're giving this offering of turtle doves and young pigeons. This is, this is the offering of the poor. Because you would only give offerings of a bull or a goat or a sheep. But Mary and Joseph give what they have in the moment. Now, have they waited two more years, they would have had a much bigger offering. And it says that they gave these two gifts. And then verse 25, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. And he was righteous. I want you to hear that. He was righteous. And he was devout. And he was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And it says that day, the Spirit leads him into the temple. He leads him in the temple. The temple is, is again, it's this hustle and bustle place. Everybody's trying to get their kids there to get the purification they're there to get their sacrifices. This, this is the hub. And, and out of all the hustle and bustle, Simeon pauses to hear from God. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's longing and eagerly awaiting, as the Jewish people have done for years, from all the promises of the prophets. He's waiting in expectation that he's going to encounter face-to-face the coming Messiah, the promised one. And over these last few weeks, we've been in this series called He Is. And we've talked about how He is history. He is before all things. He is the promised one. He is a Savior for all. But everybody, let me tell you the good news tonight. You know who He is? He is here. He is here. We don't have to wait anymore. 
We're not eagerly waiting on Jesus to be among us. He is among us. What we're eagerly awaiting now is for his return to take us home to be with our Father. He is here. And Simeon is waiting for this, and he's believing in this promise, and he's not getting caught up in all of the ministry things that are happening around him. And he is just focused and zeroed in on that moment that at some point he doesn't know when, but he knows he's going to lay eyes on Jesus. And see, in this temple, there's a sacrificial system that had been set up. There's this religious system. You have a day of atonement every year that the priest would take the the lamb and and the goat and they they would sacrifice for the sins of the people. And and this was the system. There there would be no you praying and confessing your sin to God and God forgiving you. There had to be a priest that would take your sin and and, and put it onto the scapegoat. You ever heard of that before? And then they would take the blood from their sacrifice and they would throw it onto the the altar that was in the Holy of Holies that only the high priest was allowed to go into. And it was a system. And you know how we just get caught up in systems. We just do the same thing over and over and over. And Simeon got outside of the system because he was allowing the Holy Spirit to move and guide him wherever he needed to get. He he wasn't going to get caught up in some religious system. This purification was a cleansing ceremony. It was a religious system. Do you know who the people were who were the last ones to recognize Jesus? It was the ones that were caught in the religious system. The ones who were making the sacrifices, the one that was participating in the Day of Atonement, they got lost in the system and completely missed who Jesus was. Because in the midst of busyness, Simeon, in the spirit comes with the expectation that he's not going to miss what God has for him. So the Bible tells us in 27 that that day the spirit led him to the temple. And if the spirit's going to lead you, you've got to get alone to hear from God. You've got to get outside of the hustle and bustle so you don't miss Jesus. It continues in verse 27 to tell us about Mary and Joseph. It says that when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Imagine that, the Holy Spirit puts Simeon exactly where he needs to be in the right moment for the right time that he's going to finally see this awaited king, this Messiah. So Simeon's there, he takes the child in his arms, he prays God, he says, listen, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. In other words, I've seen everything I need to see now. I've experienced everything that I've been looking to experience. It's here, the king is here, I I see him. And he takes baby Jesus in his arms to purify him. And think about that. You're taking the Son of God, God himself, you're pulling into your arms, and you're purifying him. And he knows that this is Jesus. Only the Spirit of God can reveal who Jesus is. And he reveals it in this moment. And the Bible picks up in verse 30. And this is Simeon's word, I have seen salvation i have seen it the spirit revealed it that this little baby this little baby is more than a baby he's a king see babies would come and be born and would become kings but the king came to be a baby and he was already a king from the moment that he took his first breath and here jesus is reigning already and he says i've seen salvation which you have prepared for all people now listen this is a jewish priest This is the coming Messiah for God's people, for the Jews. 
But Simeon says, no, 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 no. This is a savior for all people. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic is, what your demographic is, what side of Jerusalem you live on. You may not even live in Jerusalem. This is a Jesus for all people. This is a promise for everybody, not just one specific group. And he says in 32 that he is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he's the glory of your people. He's the glory of your people, Israel. I want you to understand something about Simeon. Think about this faith that Simeon has. That, that, that Simeon believes because he hears from God and he believes that this baby, this baby born in Bethlehem in a manger, in a cave with animals, is the Messiah. Let's think about what kind of faith that takes. To believe that this baby was more than just a baby. There was no evidence at this point to show that Jesus had done anything to establish that he would be the Messiah. Think about it. He's a baby. He's not walked on water. He's not turned water into wine. He's not done any of these things. He hasn't healed, the, healed anybody. He hasn't risen from the dead. He's done not, There's no, nothing in his credentials that would say that he's the Messiah. The only way Simeon would know this would be because God told him this and that he knew. And so he believes. And he goes on to say that after all this conversation, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, they were amazed at what was being said about their son. They weren't surprised. You got that? They weren't, this wasn't new news to them. Oh, Mary knew this was the Messiah because she remembers that conversation with the angel. She remembers the struggle that she went through of having to have that conversation with Joseph. She remembers these things. The Bible actually says in Luke chapter 2, remember? She pondered these things in her heart. Mary knew. So she wasn't surprised. She was amazed at the thing that she knew, the thing that she had focused on, the thing that her heart had been pondering. Simeon is saying all of it because the Spirit has revealed that to him. And the Bible continues, and Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. And he has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts are going to be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Jesus has come to bring peace. I love what Simeon says. Not that I can just die, but I can die in peace. In everything that we long for, peace. We long for in our lives. We long for in every one of our relationships. We long for this peace that only God can bring. Peace is only found in Jesus. Jesus says these words. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burdened, and I will give you peace for your soul. Paul would go on to say that he, that he will grant a peace that will transcend all understanding. This is the Savior. Jesus comes into this, this world that is broken and chaotic, and he brings peace, and people miss it because they're so caught up in themselves and in their rituals and in their, spirit, their own spirituality that they miss what God's trying to say. But we see that Simeon's eyes are not on himself. His eyes are on Jesus. He has a hope. He has a peace. Because, see, when he laid eyes on Jesus and, and the Spirit said, this is who he is, 
when he knew everything changed for him. Because there was a peace that overcame him. Everything that he had ever battled, every thought he had ever had, every doubt he ever had, in that one moment was settled because Jesus came. There was good news. There was good news. When he encountered baby Jesus, he realized that he was a sinner. He realized he was a sinner. Because he was standing in the presence of a king, of a Messiah. The one that he knew the prophecies. Don't think for a moment that Simeon didn't know that there was going to come a day that Jesus was going to be crucified on a tree for his sin, for our sin. Because he knew the prophecy of Isaiah where it said, by his stripes we'll be healed. And it was by this baby. See, you can't have the resurrection without the birth of Jesus. There is no Easter without Christmas. Because this was the plan. This was the plan all along for us to have redemption. It's the good news of Christmas. That Jesus brings salvation to us. If we'll go back to the very start of this chapter... We'll find these shepherds living in this field, doing what they do, shepherding. And can I just tell you that this was not an occupation that you would want to go after. As I said this past weekend, that if a shepherd went to court to testify on your behalf, their testimony would not stand up in the court of law because they were not trustworthy people. You didn't become a shepherd because you chased it. You became a shepherd because you failed at everything else. And isn't it interesting that these not-so-trustworthy shepherds, number one, tradition tells us that these shepherds were probably raising the very lambs that were going to be used in the sacrificial system in Jerusalem on the Day of Atonement for the sins of the people. And they're raising them. And they're outcasts, and nobody has anything to do with them. They're minding their own business. They're out in the field, normal night. And then out of nowhere, with a loud noise, an angel appears and begins giving them a message. Now, if you're not trustworthy, why would you give a message of that importance and that much significance? Why would you give it to a group of people that nobody trusts? But he tells them, listen, behold. After he tells them, it's okay, don't fear, I'm an angel, we're good. He says, for unto you this very day is born in the city of David in Bethlehem a Savior. And not just a Savior, your Savior. And yes, shepherds, we've not talked to anybody else about this. We're sharing this with you. Notice that the angels did not appear in the temple. The angels did not appear to the high priest. They didn't appear to any of the workers in the temple. They appear exactly where I would imagine to find God, in the midst of the hurts and the pains and the rejection and the separation from other people. And that's where the good news was brought. And the shepherds will proclaim this good news. Why would God do that? I think God would do it because he wants us to understand it doesn't matter how far we have gotten away from him. That his salvation is still for us. He is a God of redemption. He is a God of renewal. He is a God of restoration and reconciliation. He wants to pull us back. See, Christmas is a reminder of his love, the extent that he would go. Jesus, the king, left his throne. To live among us. The most three important words of all of Scripture is God with us. Emmanuel. That he's with us. And so Simeon knows this. And he's aware of this. 
And here he is making this proclamation, these statements about this little baby, that many in Jerusalem, their thoughts reveal, be revealed. And what he's saying here is this, is that Simeon knows that one day that this baby's going to hang on a tree, he's going to die for our sins, that this baby's going to draw a line in the sand, and there's going to be this tension that's going to rise with the religious leaders. And he says that he's going to cause people that you're going to be able to notice that people will raise their hands, but what Jesus is going to do is not be judging people by how high they can lift their hands. He's going to be judging on where their heart is. Can I tell you, we can come in here in church. Church is the greatest place to fake it, isn't it? But we can come in here and lift our hands as high as we want, but God's not looking at the posture. He's looking at the heart. And he's got Simeon's heart. And Simeon's saying that all these people walk in this temple every day and they do all of the traditions they do the sacrifices, they do the cleansings, they do the purifications, they, they, they bring the finest of goats and the finest of lambs, but they don't know who the Messiah is. Here's, here's my one point tonight. Hard to believe, a pastor has one point, right? One point. Christmas is a reminder that the mission of the Spirit of God is to make sure that you and I do not miss Jesus. The Spirit of God's mission is to make sure that we don't miss Jesus in Christmas. Because without Him, it's not Christmas. It's just mess. That was a joke, but now it actually sounds like that was serious. It's just, when you agree with me, it's just a big mess. It's just a big mess. What, what if we had the faith of Simeon to believe that God is at work everywhere around us? But what if we stopped allowing culture to tell us and dictate what we should believe? What if we start allowing the Spirit of God to move in our hearts and to start proclaiming a gospel that Jesus came for them and Jesus has come for us and He wants to do a work within us. He doesn't want us to miss it. And listen, it's just not missing Him on Christmas because we can miss Him on the day after Christmas too. We can miss him this summer. We can miss him on January the 1st. It's not just on the holiday. God doesn't just operate on holidays. He's at work every day. And he's at work around us. And listen, you being here tonight is not by accident. You may have gotten an invite for someone. You just happened to be in town. You just happened to be driving by and thought, oh, it must be a basketball game. And you pulled up to the gym and found out, well, this ain't a basketball game, but hey, they got a photo booth. Let's stick around. You're not here by accident. You're here because the Holy Spirit led you here. So let's call it what it is. For some reason, some purpose. And I hope tonight when you leave here, that you leave here with a memory because you've encountered the Savior. Not because of a song, not because of a sermon, not because of a cup of coffee, not because of a photo. But I hope that you walk out of here because you had an encounter with Jesus. And the only way for you to recognize who he is is the Holy Spirit reveals that to you. And my prayer tonight is that you would see him for who he is. Sometimes I, I wonder how we can be looking at Jesus but really never be seeing Jesus. But tonight, he wants us to see him for who he is and lay our eyes on him. It's perspective. So I don't, know, I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know what your hurts and your pains are. I don't know. You may be living the high life and all of life is going great. 
But let me tell you, if life is going great and there is no Jesus involved, it's really not going great. It's not going to end well. But he says that he's come to give you a life, a more abundant life, a, a, a true life. In other words, we're not living yet until we live in the Savior. It doesn't happen. The Bible says that you and I are dead to our trespasses. We're dead to our sin. And, and I read this years ago, and I always use it because it, it just paints the picture so clearly of, of who we are. But when Jesus came as a baby, he came on a mission. And that mission was to seek and save the lost, you and me. And, and we weren't drowning. We weren't out in the ocean just flopping around, and he threw us a life raft and started pulling us in. We were at the bottom of the ocean, breathless and dead, and Jesus dove down, picked us up, and put brand new breath within us. That's what he did. That was what the words were on the cross when he said, it is finished to telestai. Didn't just mean it was finished in that moment. The, the, what I love about the Greek language there is it wasn't just finished in the moment, it was finished for eternity, always. You'll never have to come back and do that again. And you know what his motivation for that was? To love his children, us. So tonight, I, again, I don't, know, I don't know where you are. I don't know if life is great, life is bad. But what I can tell you is, without Jesus, you're missing it. That he wants to do a work in your life. He wants to do a work in your heart. And I'm praying right now that you would hear from the Holy Spirit. If you would, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would just hear me out for a minute. That maybe you're here and you've never, you've never made that commitment before. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. But you just know tonight there's something different. You're, you're hearing it different. Things seem a little bit clearer. God's speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit. And if that's you... There's no magic prayer that saves you, but all you've got to do is just tell Jesus, hey, save me. Save me tonight. I give my life to you. I commit to you. I want to follow you. Jesus, save me. Just save me. And if you've prayed that simple prayer and asked Jesus to become the Lord and Savior of your life and you've committed to follow him, Listen, we want to help you as a church. We don't believe that this is just a commitment. We want to help you get connected to our church or to a church that's, that's a church that's a, a Jesus-believing church. So in these next few moments, what I want you to do is we're, we're going to stand here in just a moment and we're going to sing. And as you're doing that, if you've made a commitment, would, would you just share that with the person beside you? And then at the end of our service tonight, would you go to our welcome desk and just mark that? Because we, we truly, we don't believe that it's just a prayer. We want to walk with you with this. We want to help you with this. So, Father, I thank you for tonight. I pray that we would have the heart of Simeon to be able to believe and trust. And we hear your spirit that, God, we will not get so caught up in everything else that's happening around us. It was so easy for that to have happened to Simeon, but yet he kept his eyes and his perspective on you. And so, Jesus, in this next moment, for all those who you're moving in their hearts and you're moving their lives tonight, I just pray that you would give them that courage to take that next step of sharing that news with someone so that we can journey together with them. So, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for what you're going to do in this moment. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen.